When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Here's uh, how he thinks, you know, going into game, how we give, how we make him confident going into game. So I think it's a uh, process just we continue to go. I think it's been really good. But I think the best thing is we have a lot of eyes on him from the standpoint of guys that have coached quarterbacks. So it's uh, been a good working relationship. you got to give Sean Mannion uh, and Jake a lot of credit in that room. It's a great room. Uh, they're all working towards the same goal. Those two guys really help him prepare, so they deserve some credit too. That's Gary Kubiak, now Vikings offensive coordinator. This is Purple Daily in the TCL broadcast studios. Rami Makloff alongside former Vikings offensive lineman Alex Boone, Jonathan Harrison, other side of the glass, Declan behind the camera as we are streaming live at Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook. Booney, you fired up? You ready to go? I don't need to ask you if you're fired up and ready to go. I know you're fired up and ready to go because you tell us so in tweets and uh, emails and texts. and Well, not tweets. You're not on Twitter. But emails and texts, and I always love to read them on the air. Is it okay with you, I always ask Alex Boone, if I read the text exchange between us last night on the air to open up the show and get people as fired up as you are for Purple Daily? Robbie, I'm all about about it, dude. Go ahead. So, last night, I get a text. And by the way, this opening sentence is just Alex Boone in a nutshell. My dudes, the eve of our glorious show is upon us. You guys ever ask the fans what questions they have? I'm always curious and want to know what they are thinking or want to know. And none of that trade, Dalvin bleep. I don't answer stupid questions, but I would love to know what they want to know. But I don't have Twitter. Let me know what you think. Bleeping Twitter. Ha ha ha. Uh, A couple of laughing face emojis. I said, love it. I will send out a tweet in the morning telling people to send in any football questions they got for the Rhino. Or can we go outside of football? Alex Boone says, bro. Let's go bleeping global. You got a bleeping itch. We got your scratch. Nothing is out of bounds. So that's why today we're doing Ask Boone Anything at 1.30. I have the tweet out there, at Score North, if you want to respond to that. Or just tweet in your questions, at S-K-O-R North, for Ask Boone Anything at 1.30. You know you're opening Pandora's box, right? You know when you say anything, not just football, things can get weird. I've done this bit before. It's not a new radio (laughs) bit. Things can get weird, Booney. 
Dude, I'm all about the weirdness, but let's not get too weird, all right? There's, there's kids listening here. <laughs> hey, man, you said anything, so it, you've opened the door now. It's it's no holds barred at this point at 1.30 for Ask Boone Anything. Send those in at SKOR North. But we start here with that guy that uh, you just heard in the soundbite to open the show. Gary Oops. Kubiak announced today as uh, the offensive coordinator. He was already uh, an offensive assistant slash assistant head coach working with Kevin Stefan. Last year, sort of constructing this offense. You like it, Booney? You like this move? I love everything about it. I love that it wasn't his son either. I, I'm I'm a big Coops fan, and I think that he's a risk taker at times. I think he's extremely confident in his play calling. I've talked to guys that have played in his system, and the things that they say about him are tremendous. Like I've never heard a friend of mine be like, oh, "I didn't like the guy." Like everyone's like, "Dude, love Coops." Like, dude's just gonna drill you if you're a team. And I think that that's what this team needs. And also, I think it's what Mike Zimmer needs in order for him to kind of let go of the reins on the offense. You know, I think this is one of the sides that he trusts and truly believes in. And it's not going to be one of these guys that he's hounding over because, dude, it's Gary Kubiak. You're not really going to be standing over him like, what are you doing? He's going to be like, bro, go away. You really, you really think Zim steps aside yeah. and just yeah. lets Kubiak do his thing? Because Zimmer, I mean, he doesn't, I'm sure he, he doesn't get involved in the specifics of game planning and game and play calling. And we sort of act like Mike Zimmer has nothing to do with offense and wants nothing to do with offense. But on the flip side, Boone, one of the narratives around Mike Zimmer is him kind of sticking his nose in that offensive room, mainly to say we're not running the football enough and we need to run the football more. You think with Gary Kubiak, he just steps aside and lets him run this thing. Absolutely. I mean, dude, I mean, logically thinking, I get that like Mike Zimmer's a head coach and very widely respected. But so is Gary Kubiak. And you got to remember, dude, there's a lot of egos in that room, and you don't want to be causing tension against a guy who, number one, has already coached in Super Bowls and done that and been there and been doing that at a high level for a long time and has had some successful offenses. I mean, I think that if you're Mike Zimmer, you basically just say, hey, Gary, get us out of here, man. We're in a, we're in a place right now that we can go either way. We can either falter now and, and just keep stumbling downhill, or we can choose to get better and succeed. And I think that Gary's one of those guys that brings it because, like I said, his confidence level is huge. He's obviously done this before. There's no game that's too big for him. And I think that he truly does know what Mike wants. He's been in, a, we've been in there with Mike for this last year. I think how much control did he have over Kevin? Probably not a lot. I don't think I don't see him being the guy that's like, hey, Kev, let's run 43 on this one. I see him being the guy like, hey, you know, pre-snap meetings and all these uh, meetings during the week, I see Gary being very influential to Kevin, but I saw Kevin probably calling all the plays. I'm curious to see what Gary's going to change it up a little bit. In. Is he going to you know, feed it to Dalvin more? Is he going to try and drop a little more play action? Is he going to get certain guys involved more? I mean, there's so much talent on this team that for a guy like Gary Kubiak not to use it to the best of his ability, that would just be such a disservice to the Vikings. So I think that he knows that. And when you talk about these old coaches, man, there's something about them. Like, they're just risky. They don't care. They're like, listen, man, no risk it, no biscuit. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I've lived this too long. I've lost this game because I didn't risk it. You like, you, they learn from their past losses. You know, you hear so many of them say, well, we did this last time, so we're not going to do that again. These are the guys that are like, you know what, man? If you want the trophy, if you really want to be on the top of that mountain, you got to risk it at times. And with this offense, it would be exciting to watch them risk it more. Were you surprised by this by this news? Because no. I, was, I was reading today a piece, uh, I think it was at The Athletic, I was reading a lot of stuff about Gary Kubiak today to get ready for this show, about, about sort of his journey now back into coaching. Because for those who don't know, 
I mean, you probably know he was a Super Bowl winning head coach for the Denver Broncos, but then had a couple of health scares, one of which he was taken out of the stadium on a stretcher Houston, right, right? right in front of his son, yeah, who was who Houston. had who had just recently joined his staff and he he sort of walked away from the game of football, Alex, because of what it was doing to his health. I mean, it's it's a it's a highly demanding job being an NFL head coach and the hours that go into it, the stress that goes into it, and these guys are all just insane about what they do and it will wear down the human body and he sort of walked away and then came back in like a consultant role for the Denver Broncos, but was still arm's length from from the game itself and from coaching and as you just talked about Still sort of arm's length from from the actual game day action this season. He was up in the box, but it was Kevin Stefanski sort of running the show. Now this is a guy with two prior heart issues, one on which he was taken off on a stretcher, coming back into the game. I was, I mean, I can't say I'm entirely surprised because of the mindset of an NFL head coach, and especially one who's accomplished as much as Gary Kubiak has, having been to the mountaintop of a Super Bowl championship. You always have that itch, but it really seemed like, he had come to peace, come to terms with not being as involved with the game as he now is going to have to be as an offensive coordinator. Yeah, I remember the day. I remember the game that he collapsed. I remember watching it on video. I mean, it was sad. And then you think about, you know, that's just the alpha being the alpha, man. We can't sit around and wait. We got to just keep going. I'm going to get back into coaching. I'm just going to do some little stuff, babe. Don't worry about it. Next thing you know, you're the OC of the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> you know, possibility of having the number one rush attack, right? His wife's probably like, really, Gary? Really? Babe, listen. Couple of years, I'm out. You know me. It's 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 exciting because he has done it and he's done some great things with some great teams. And now you have a team that is so spectacular. And I think he really does have another itch to get that Super Bowl. Like I, I think, like you said, when you're out and you're out for good reason and you come back in, it's because you really, really want another ring. And I, I don't blame him. They're addicting, man. Winning is addicting. And then you look at this offense that he gets to command now and how dangerous it could be. And I think it's. It's great, number one, because he was here last year. And that's obviously going to help. And he knows Kirk. It's not something that's unfamiliar to him. It's not like you're walking in with a new OC. Like, you know, say you were to hire Jay Gruden and mm-hmm. bring him in. It's not like you have to go through the formalities of, hey, I'm Jay, you're Kirk. What do you like? This is what I like. Gary already knows what he was doing. He already knows what Kirk wants to run. He already knows how Kirk wants to call. He already knows the play calls. You don't have to change anything up. That is so huge for an offense. And we've talked before, and we had Sam Bradford on last time, talking about how Sam played under seven different OCs. And when you talk about not being able to have any kind Continuity with anything. Like, God, could you imagine every year having to change simple things like a snap count changes every year? That would annoy the hell out of me. And you talk about having to do that how many different times? Well, now you have a team that really is kind of up in the air. They're kind of in limbo because it's like, man, which way are we going to go right now? We could go up or we could go down. What we do next determines that. Hiring Gary Kubiak was a huge step up because it keeps the same guy in a pivotal role in the offense. It keeps the offense in continuity. It keeps this engine from having to stop. It pretty much just keeps rolling. Right, like, hey, listen, this is what we did last year. This was our philosophy. Now, this is the steps we wanted to take naturally. This is what we've done organically. Like, let's keep going this way. And you don't have to do the whole, hey, uh, so you really like that play, huh? Yeah, I do too. So, what don't you like? Like, what do you want to do? What do you want to call this? Nah, dude, it's already there. This is already the terminology. This is how we've been doing it. This is how we've been taking steps. Now we need to put some new pieces in place and go forward. And I've I've said before, and 
I use Jay Cutler as a reference because I'm a Jay Cutler apologist. That the, the there are, there are three ways to ruin a quarterback. One is surround him with no talent. One True. is put no offensive line in front of him. And True. another and the last one is what you just talked about, and that's changing systems and offensive coordinators every year. And I use Jay Cutler as an example because the Bears literally did all three of those things to Jay Cutler. Sometimes, so sometimes true. all three at the same time over the course of his time there, but. I think with Kubiak, the thing people are going to look at this, if anybody's looking at it skeptically, Boone, because you talk about the continuity and that he was already part of this last year, you want improvement. You want this thing to be better than it was last year. You're not looking You're not looking for status quo with the, the offense, although it took a huge step forward from year one with Kirk Cousins under center to year two, but you still want this thing to improve and get better, and I think people are wondering, how how does it, necessarily get better with more of the same philosophies and and more of the same thing that was already in there last year, especially if you're somebody who believes, and there are plenty of people out there who believe this, that Gary Kubiak already was the offensive coordinator last year, and Kevin Stefanski was only that in title. I don't believe that. I think, and and you just touched on it, Stefanski was running as much of the show as, as most offensive coordinators and calling his own plays. Kubiak had a role in constructing the playbook, like you said, game planning during the week, being in that quarterback's room or in the offensive room and giving whatever input that that he had to to provide. But how does this get better with with the same philosophy, same offense, and maybe even the same guy running that offense ultimately? Listen, I think it can get better for many reasons. Number one, the way that they ended the season, that game just is not going to sit well with people. You know, the coming off the Saints game, you talk about having all this momentum, and then you go into the 49ers, and you run the ball nine times. Like, dude, Coops, at the right time, he's going to know when to hit the gas. Hey, listen, this is going to be a street fight. This is not my first rodeo. Technically, for Stefanski, it kind of was. Like, hey, man, it's the first time you've been in the playoffs and things aren't really going really well. What do you do? Well, Coops knows. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to stick to my run game because Dalvin's just going to wear everybody down. And then... Then we're going to pick up the play action. I think you, when you look at things, you say, listen, from year to year, what needs to get better? Number one, the quarterback need, hits need to go way down. Number two, penalties need to go down, especially pre-snap. Like We're getting into this offensive times where you should know this book inside and out, backwards and forwards. If you've been here for more than a year and you're making pre-snap penalties, that's a problem. Like Those need to get cleaned up. And then you talk about being able to run the ball more effectively. Like Every year, you're always trying to find a way. How can we run this ball better? How can we get Dalvin in space more? How can we use him in the screen game better? You know, All these things are going to come up. And I think the answers for Kubiak is going to be super easy because when you're looking at the film, there's so many highlights of Dalvin and things that he does well, and especially Kirk. And people are down on Kirk, but... This year, Dalvin was his best friend. And you look at these two guys go forward and you say, listen, man, we got Diggs in this room. We got Thielen. We got Rudy. We got Irv Smith Jr. Like, we got some guys that we can have a lot of fun with. Now, how do we get these guys more involved, especially guys like Rudy? Like, I don't think he was used enough this year. He's such a big target. And Sam Bradford said, listen, just throw him the ball. He'll find a way to get it. At times, I got it. Like, Thielen was hurt and everybody kind of had to play a different role. But I think that's also where Kubiak's going to be able to come in is being able to adapt this offense at times when he needs to. Hey, listen, we're down a big player. All right, listen, we've done this before. This is what we're going to do. You know, these are the things that these experienced coaches bring with them is the ideas and the ideals of an offense, of how I want it run and how it's going to be run effectively. That is what's so exciting. And I say that because it could have been Clint. And, yeah, maybe Gary would have been in his ear a lot, but it wouldn't have been Gary. And I think that that was – 
that was the right move. Like, hey, listen, Clint, you know, we know you're probably going to be a guy someday, but listen, we want your dad to take the reins. We need a big boy with big boy pads who knows how to get us out of troubling situations and not be the guy that turns into every other OC. Okay, well, let's just stand back there and throw it 100 times. Dog, that's stupid. Like, you've got to find another way to win a game. I'm sorry. You just can't let people pin their ears and destroy us. And that also comes into the offseason of, like, we've got to bolster this old line a little bit more. We were talking with Sage Rosenfels earlier. Well, we recorded it earlier. You're going to hear it this afternoon on uh, Mackie and Judd with Rami right around 4.30. I just let you in a little behind the curtain there for you Score North listeners. Sometimes those are pre-recorded. And he talked about the fact that, yes, this is the same system, but you know Kyle Shanahan also runs the West Coast system. A lot of guys around the league are running the West Coast system, but they're not... They're not all the same. That's sort of that's a larger umbrella that a lot of different offenses fall under. It's sort of a generic term for an offense. Can you explain in layman's terms for those of us who didn't play in the NFL, Alex, what are some of the variations or twists on on the same it doesn't have to necessarily be the West Coast system because this applies to other systems too. There's a broad sort of general name like I said a bunch of offenses fall under an umbrella, but what are some of the things that can be different or tweaked within the same system if if that made any sense? Dude, you know what the one thing is really like I thought was the biggest thing was the verbiage. In most systems, like, so basically, like, in a West Coast system, everything is kind of numberized. And it's like everything has a number attached to it, whereas the other one is everything has a words to attach to it. There's different routes run. In, in some of these offenses, you have to be able to run the ball to play action off of it, and that's your whole offense. And some of them, it's like, hey, listen, we're just going to stand back here and let this dude throw it around, you know? I think the one thing that's so cool about these different offenses is when you see teams that implore different offenses during the season. And I say when I say that, I think about, like, the Patriots. At times, they look like they're these spread out, five out, we're running digs and verticals and doing all this. And then other times they look like a power football team. They look like a pro-style offense that's in the pro-eye all the time or an offset formation. And then other games he's only in gut. You know, there's so many, like, like G-Rose offense to me always seems kind of like college because it was like a pistol formation. And it could be run out of a gun formation, but there wasn't a lot of things under center. They didn't like Colin to be under center a lot because, number one, when you walked guys up in the A-gap, you could be in a lot of trouble like because that's when all the guards would start telling you what the play was because if you just walked up in the A-gap and my quarterback's under center, well, all of a sudden I got to re- we start like recommunicating things. We start miscommunicating things. So they were always like, listen, let's keep Colin in the gun or in the pistol. That way, if anything, anybody walks up, it'll always be the running backs. And then like at times that became hard because the running back had to run around Colin. So then the rules started changing. Like There's so many different offenses when you talk about like there's a, these offenses under umbrella. There is, but they kind of separate themselves by formation, by route trees, by what the quarterback does. Like you see all these read option now. There's only a couple teams that really run it effectively, right. but it's awesome to watch. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, when they can't do that, what do they do? Well, then they go to pistol and they start doing other things out of it and they start play actioning out of it. And it's like, man, this is intense. But Gary's is basically, dude, we're going to run the ball to set up the play action and everything and. And play action nowadays isn't just a waggle anymore. It's not just bootlegging your quarterback out. It's like we're going to run a fake power that looks so much like power, the safety's going to think it's power. And then all of a sudden we're going to have digs run a dig route behind. Like That's what's so unique about these new play actions. Where it's like When I first came in, it was like waggle right, waggle left. They're like, Damn, this is so stupid. And then Giro started <laughs> making it like, hey, listen, let's do it. We used to have a play called Crunch. 
and it was like three traps on one play. So every other player was trapping the next guy over, and then every other player off of that was climbing. It was like the most intense play you ever saw. It was super fun to draw up because it was like, man, there's a lot of people getting hit on this play. But then he was like, let's run a play action out of it because there's no way anybody think we would fake this and not run it because you're basically leaving the three technique unblocked. And then it ended up working, and that's when g was like, well, maybe we could do other things off of this, like the trap or a wham or a, or a zone fill backside off a of play action. Like Everything started becoming more advanced, and that's what I think Gary's going to be so great at is taking all of that and saying, what's good for us? I know what he already likes. Let's add a little bit of this too because I know Dalvin would like to do this, and this will really suck up the safeties. Like, that's what you get from these experienced coaches. Mm. Football. Yeah. That's just good meat and potatoes, football-y, football goodness right there from Alex Boone. I love it all. Here's, here's the question that I have, though, Boone, and I, I asked Sage this, too. Again, you'll hear that interview coming up at 4.30. I, I know that a lot of what Gary Kubiak does with an offense, and we saw this last year with, with Kevin Stefanski running the show, is running the ball to set up the pass and then using play action. And that play action is something that that Kirk Cousins has shown himself to be good at, proficient at. Some of his, his, his best numbers come when they run things out of play action. But other than that, other than that one trait, is, is Cousins really a good fit for a Gary, Gary Kubiak system? And I ask that because another trait of Gary Kubiak systems is smaller, more athletic offensive lines and that's good for run blocking, but if there's ever a weakness to an offensive line that's constructed that way, it's pass blocking. And I know you always want mobility and pocket awareness as traits in any quarterback that you're looking for, but when you have an offensive line that's smaller and more athletic, and like I said, probably not the greatest pass blocking offensive line in the league. I think they ranked 30th in uh, PFF grades this year. I know how much you hate those, but I'm going to quote them anyways. Um is that a good fit when you have a guy who doesn't seem to have great pocket awareness? As Collar puts it, Cousins will run himself into pressure sometimes if there's just a little bit of a collapse in the pocket. Is And you want mobility, obviously. Is he a bad fit for a Gary Kubiak system and a Gary Kubiak-style offensive line? No, and I understand what you're saying. I think that this is where you make up with a guy like that. Number one with play action, you always end up getting your time because the defense has to regain themselves and get back to you. You know, like everyone always sees run at first, and then by the time they realize it's not run, you're making up time for your receivers to get open. You're moving yourself away from everybody, the trouble. I think the one thing when you're looking at this, and this was like, this has always been my pet peeve, especially with offenses. You have to have a quick answer for your quarterback, always. Like if the running back's not going to stay in and block, dude, get out now and get yourself open. So many guys just run these stupid, swing routes and it's like the quarterback's afraid to throw it because he sees you being trailed and he's like man you're gonna get smacked if I throw you this ball is it even worth it and that's when you start seeing them start to stutter a little bit you got to change it up everything the running back does is so important whether it's chipping and getting out or staying in the block or chipping and running a you know a a route off another route there's so many new offenses in this NFL that you see these running backs running real route trees like what was that? A, was that just like a, a smoke route? Like, what did that dude just run? There's so many fullbacks right now running wheel routes. You're like, dude, what is going on right now? But then you look at these other offenses, and they're just still kind of basic. And you're like, dude, if you guys had an easy answer for your quarterback, you would number one neutralize so much of this pass rush, and number two, you would be driving down the field so much more because people eventually forget about the checkdowns, and then all of a sudden you throw it to a guy like Dalvin. He's gonna get you five regardless. He's gonna drag people for five yards, dude. I'm just you got to get him open earlier for your quarterback. One more question for you as it pertains to Gary Kubiak. Yet or not yesterday, but on Tuesday when I filled in for you, 
we kicked around the subject of whether or not they might regret not hiring Kevin Stefanski and saying parting ways with with Mike Zimmer. Totally reckless, hypothetical. If you had the choice between Zim or Gary Kubiak as your head coach, which one do you want? Zim. Okay, why? I, I think because he's been here, he knows the defense long enough. Like, if you're going to do a shakeup, dude, you got to do a shakeup. Okay. Like, you got to do a real shakeup. Like, even the Kevin Stefanski hire would not have been that big of a shakeup. Like, it'd have been like, okay, well, they hired from within. Like, if you're going to shake it up, you got to shake the whole tree because then all of a sudden it's like, you know, who's he keeping as the DC? Who's staying? Who's going? It's just there's so many questions. And I think that if you're going to do it, like, I, when, when, I'll give the best example. I remember when Kyle Shanahan got hired in, in San Francisco. Dude, he fired everybody. Like, training staff. I remember they was like, wow, dude, I've never seen a dude fire the training staff. Like, my man wants his own people in there. But he was right, man. I want a culture shakeup. I want to change this culture around here. We need to shake things up. The equipment guys got fired. I remember the equipment guys called me like, dude, could you believe I got fired? I was like, damn, man, that dude is for real. <laughs> but he's right. You need to change the culture around the building. You can't keep damn, things the equipment left. guy? I mean, Why dude, does the equipment guy got to go? He's part Part of the culture, everybody got it, dude. I mean, but it's it's he's he wanted his guys, and it didn't it didn't seem to not work out for him. Like it takes time for that to grab, and that's why you're seeing this offense now. They've had the same guys in it for how many years? It's starting to take off, and that's what's so excited about the Coops is like he's already been here, but he wasn't really calling the shots. Like he was in the background, paying attention. What is everybody like? What is this guy like? How does he do this? Does he do this well? Oh, I like that. Oh, if I. If I become the guy, we're doing this. Like, he took notes, and everybody saw his face, and everybody talked to him, and everybody learned from him. Well, now he's just stepping into a big role going, hey, man, I've been here. And people are like, you're right, you have been here. This is great. Let's keep going. And that's what's so exciting about this. That's Alex Boone, former Vikings offensive lineman. We'll talk more about the Gary Kubiak hiring as offensive coordinator on Mackey and Judd with Rami this afternoon. Coming up in about an hour at 3.30, we are going to do Ask Boone Anything. You can send in your tweets about anything. By the way, I said 1.30 in the tweet because uh, I usually do score north live weekdays noon to two and Maybe i that's why we're not i am questions. a uh i am a creature of habit to say the least boonie so to me that that back half hour of the second hour of the show is always one o'clock so uh that's my bad i will correct that tweet but adam has a good point for ask boon anything he said someone needs to just preemptively explain the value of the mute feature and then get boon on twitter how do we get you on twitter alex boon how do we make this happen Dude, I don't have enough time, dude. I got too many kids. Enough time? I don't have time to tweet. You ever see how fast you guys tweet? I'm like, dude, I couldn't talk that fast. These guys are tweeting that fast. Like, what are you guys doing all day? Come on. I'm not. Well, I mean, I'm on it probably more than most people because I don't have kids and I'm in a lot. My girlfriend's in town right now, but I'm in a long distance relationship. So, well, that's fair. I often don't have a companion or a significant other or any friends in Minnesota to speak of, uh, having just moved here and being antisocial. But you don't have, I mean, there is no, there is no, uh, quota as far as how much you have to be on Twitter, Alex. You could just go on there. Whenever you feel like it, whenever you have a few minutes, you put the kids to bed, it's late at night, you're not ready to go to bed yet, you just hop on there for a few minutes, see what people are thinking, and share some of your own thoughts. Dude, one of my greatest coaches, Jim Trestle, told me, if you read the good, you got to read the bad, bro. <laughs> and he was so no. right. No. You can't just read the good. Not on Twitter. Read, and I don't feel like doing that. And I really don't care anymore. Like, it's like, people are like, don't you ever worry about what you say is going to affect you? I'm like, no, it's because I really think. And if you don't like me, then we probably shouldn't be talking. Like, I'm not going to fake it for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you can do that on Twitter. That's what no, Adam is saying with the it. mute feature. You can, yeah. if, you, if you just, if there's somebody you don't want to hear from, you just hit mute. They can never talk to you again. It's over. No, it's a beautiful dude, thing. 
That's some AB. I'm not doing that. That's something AB would do. Like, I'm not about that. Like, if you, if, if you see me walking down the street and you, like, throw out some criticism at me, I'll be like, dude, all right, my kids are with me, but that's not cool. But, like, I'm not going to get upset. Like, why would I actively go look for that? Like, I really want someone to bust my chops today. <laughs> no, dude. but there's fun to be had on there. It's not all trolls. There's plenty of fun to be had on I think you'd enjoy it, and I think you'd be a superstar on Twitter, to be quite <laughs> honest with you. Because of your unfiltered nature, I think you'd be great on Twitter. I'm not... I'm not and I'm not just saying that because I'm trying to convince you to get on there. I really do think you'd be really, really good at the Twitter game. Declan behind the camera is nodding his head at me right now, too. <laughs> I think you could win that game, Booney. I, th- yeah. I think I think you could get in that game and win it. But uh, ask Boone anything coming up at 3.30, not 1.30, dumbass Rami. 3.30, your Ask Boone Anything questions. Tweet those at SKOR North, and we will open the uh, phone lines at that time, too. And we say anything. We mean anything, not just football questions. Other side of this quick break. One of my favorite segments on Score North, it's Hot Routes with a Z. Alex Boone loves the Hot Routes, too. Jonathan has random NFL questions. We have random NFL answers right after this. You're listening to Purple Daily on 1500 scorenorth.com and the Score North app. Hey there, it's Phil Mackey for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, and Federated is here to give business owners out there peace of mind. You pour your life and energy into a business, and the last thing you want is for something to happen that puts you on the defense, and that's where Federated comes in. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, over a century of experience in standing behind business owners. If you're a business owner and you want some more peace of mind, go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more about your local federated marketing representative. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll start off here letting you know that Romstein is live at U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday, August 30th. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. at Romstein.com. Download the Score North app now for your chance to win tickets to the show. Kirk Cousins, who has a new offensive coordinator, if you haven't heard, Gary Kubiak will be his offensive coordinator going into next season. He was out at the Pro Bowl and caught up with NFL Network and asked him his thoughts on a possible extension, saying, I think it's still pretty early right now, but uh, you know, those conversations will happen in time. And uh, I've got enough to focus on, you know, with... Uh, getting ready for this next season but uh you know certainly love minnesota and would love to be there for, for a long time that's been your score north download now back to purple daily on 1500scorenorth.com and the score north app rami mackloff in the tcl broadcast studios along with former vikings offensive lineman alex boone alex are you are you a creature of habit i find most athletes are, are creatures of habit yes Yes, I I am as well, and I mentioned before the break how I screwed up the time in that tweet because I'm such a creature of habit, used to being on the air noon to two and four to six, Score North Live, Mackie and Judd with Rami, respectively. Catch those on the Score North app, scorenorth.com, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm having, because I'm such a creature of habit, I'm doing this show today instead of the noon to two show, I'm having... So, so many. Do you ever have a day where your brain just doesn't work right, Alex? Because because you get taken out of your routine? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think if it doesn't start off the way you want it, dude, it's over. So, I when I sat down to prep for this show, you know those rundowns that I send you for the show? Let you know what we're talking about when we're talking about it, all that. And I put the name of the show at the top. I kid you not. I forgot the name of the show for like five seconds. I was like, I know, I know, I know this is Vikings related. I'm pretty sure it's a color. Let's go with purple. And the show is on every day. Let's call it Purple Daily. Then I tweeted out the screen grabs of the text. 
that you sent last night that I read at the start of the show saying yeah. you know, for Ask Boone Anything. We'll do that at one thirty. Tweet your questions at SKOR North, or we'll open up the phone lines at that time, 651-646-8255. Um, I, I've, and I was deleting all the curse words in it. I missed like two of them the first time I sent it out. And Kyler was like, oh, I'm pretty sure you missed a couple of the curse words in that. Wow. And then just now, <laughs> during the break, I tried to correct my error that I mentioned earlier that I tweeted out one thirty, not 3.30 for Ask Boone Anything. And in the tweet, I called you Bone and not Boone, my friend. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just wow. having a day, man. My brain is just not functioning today. Take me anywhere out of my routine, even remotely out of my routine, and I'm just useless, man. I don't know about you, but I'm just useless mentally if I'm if I if I'm taken out of my habit. Listen, I will carry the both of us for the rest of the show <laughs> as long as you get us into hot rounds. Okay, <laughs> I can do that. Actually, Jonathan can handle that. Let's get it to hot rounds, Jonathan. Caller has questions. Blue fifty eight. Blue fifty eight. Go. And he wants your answers. Three. Red, 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 Blue poncho. In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. Three ninety four dragon smoke. It's hot rocks on purple daily. Five eighty. Three ninety seven. Jonathan takes some of the stories of the day around the NFL and formulates questions around those stories and asks them to us here in Hot Routes. Rami Makhlouf and Alex Moon, what do we have for the first question in Hot Routes, Jonathan? All right, boys, let's uh, change up that draft that Eli Manning, Big Ben, and Phillip Rivers were drafted in. Let's change up what teams they went to. Say Big Ben was drafted by the Chargers, Eli Manning was drafted by the Steelers, and then Rivers Ended up staying with the Giants, who originally drafted him. Who has the most successful career? This is a lot to keep three. up with. So let's it take is. it. Let's take it one by one. Big Ben is a Charger. How do you yep. see that playing out, Alex? Not well. I don't, that wouldn't be my first pick. I don't think that. I don't. I don't think that that would have been. You know, not a big fan of that. Although I don't know, man. Ladainian Tomlinson out there. I worry about his. I worry the old lines though, were the ones that he's like. But he's a big dude. He's hard to bring down. We've seen this. I don't know All that. Right. I don't know that. I'm a lot. feeling better about it. the more we're talking about it, like the more we're talking about it, I'm like, you know what, man? Because I had told Jonathan before, I was like, dude, if you'd have put Philip in the Steelers, like, dude, that's for sure. I'm going that route. But now that I'm talking about it, I like Big Ben out there in uh, in San Diego. I do. You I do. That. I do. You just talked yourself I like, into it. I know. I like it. I like it better than Rivers to the Giants. And I don't know how I feel about Eli to the Steelers because I, I say that because of this. I feel like Ben really took on the persona of being the Steelers quarterback. They're a tough team. He's a tough dude. Like I just don't know that Eli would have been able to have that team rally around him the way that Ben has. You know what I'm saying? Like Ben's always been tough to take down. He's taken the hits and gotten up. Been like, dude, I'll keep going. I'll do as much as I got to do until I can't. I, I don't know that I. I guess I am liking Ben to the Chargers more than all the rest of them. So Ben to the Chargers, you think, would have had the best career? And, are, I mean, I don't know if it's even arguable, although they kept on arguing about it on every ESPN debate show I turned on this morning. Big Ben had a better career than Eli Manning, right? Oh, yeah. So I, and I don't I don't know that that necessarily changes when you, if you move, well, I don't, do the Chargers win two Super Bowls with Ben That's Roethlisberger? What That's what I'm wondering. And I think you could because you had the running back, you've had defenses roll through there. I just... I, I think that he has a better chance. I think that you have a better chance with Ben at the Chargers than you do Eli at the Steelers. We're gonna get into the we're gonna get into the Eli Manning debate that every football show is getting into today. <laughs> coming up at at three o'clock here on uh, Purple Daily, but 
if you ask me, long story short, and a little preview of what I'll say coming up at 3 o'clock, Eli was a benefactor of some really good defenses there in, in New York, and that's not that doesn't change if he's in Pittsburgh. Those defenses were really good most of the time for Ben Roethlisberger as well. So I think he's he's a good enough quarterback that they would have been close to the same team as they were with Big Ben. Uh, I, don't, I just don't trust the Chargers as an organization to put a Super Bowl team around Ben Roethlisberger. So I don't know that he has the same career. Philip Rivers with those Giants teams. You ask me out of these three, Alex and and who was the the best ball of clay to mold when they got to the NFL just on Rivers. pure talent. To me, it's Philip Rivers all day. And if you give him those Giants teams that Eli won two Super Bowls with. I know what people are going to say about Philip Rivers in the clutch versus Eli Manning in the clutch, but I think he has at least two Super Bowls and is probably the most successful of any one of these three guys. I do. He does a pretty ball. That's why I was I was agreeing. But it, I think let's just agree that Philip Rivers is probably like the best candidate to, for all these teams. You, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think okay. he, I think yeah. physical physical talent and tools and everything that you look for in a quarterback coming out of that draft. I think he was he was the best one who ended up in in kind of a, a, a bad situation in San Diego and now Los Angeles. Agree. I actually kind of liked Eli to the Steelers. I think the teams that Ben had right away in in Pittsburgh were great, and you saw he won the Super Bowl his second year, or whatever it was, and then he won it a couple years later. I think Eli on those teams, the consistency that they've had is better than the consistency that he had with the Giants. I think he wins more Super Bowls there than he did with the Giants. All right. Next question, Jonathan. Next question. Uh, Packers head coach Matt LaFleur said he was concerned by the lack of fire his team showed during the NFC Championship game. What's a game you guys covered, watched, or played in where you could tell one team just didn't seem to care? I, I never, I, I almost never make that accusation that guys don't care, Alex, because, and you can tell me, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think you get where you and, and guys uh, uh, in your cohorts who have played in the NFL or any professional sport get where you get to by not caring. The the percentile of the guy who just doesn't care and is going out there and doing it and doing it well because he's just that good and he can be that good without caring is a sliver. It's like less than 1%. Am I off on that or are there a bunch Way of guys less, less than that? Really? Less. Oh, dude, everybody cares. Bro, you, you're going to put your body through something so terrible, you better care a little bit about what's going to happen. <laughs> like, you know how people are like, That's a great point. It's true because people used to be like, well, you know, only a certain amount of guys are there for the money. I'm like, listen, dude, nobody's here for just the money. You would walk in and walk right out because you just wouldn't want number one want someone talking to you the way they're going to talk to you you wouldn't let guys make fun of you as much as they're going to make fun of you and if you ever show them that they bother you when they're making fun of you it only gets worse like you got to just roll with it like dude everybody used to make fun of my knock knees and i'd be like bro it's okay it gives me more power and then, they, <laughs> and then they were instantly like they thought i was serious like they were like man this guy's smart like wow yeah, all right and i was like dude these guys are idiots but like you, you you don't just show up for the money. You have a real passion. You have a like drive. Your competitiveness, and that's why I agree with you. It's very very rare that you would see a team like not care. Like, but, but but there but. are there are different levels, right? There is a scale of how much you care, or how badly you want it, right? I think, and I think that's in any profession. I think most people, especially who are doing what they want to do for a living, they care and they have a passion for it. But there there is a whole spectrum of how much they care and how badly they want it. Would you agree with that? Agreed. Agreed. Okay. All right. So whether as a spectator, like Jonathan said, or a locker room that you were in or another team that you witnessed, now let's answer the question, who did you see that didn't that didn't care enough or was just that much outmatched in terms of the passion, the fire to win by the team on the other side? 
All right, so I'm going to say there's two instances. And number one, in Super Bowl 50, Cam Newton fumbled the ball. Remember that? Yes. And it just laid there. And he didn't make a direct attempt to, like, dive on it. He kind of, like, danced around it for a minute. Like, man, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> business <laughs> decision, right? Big dog. There are no business decisions in the Super Bowl. There are zero. You don't get to make a business decision. Yeah. That, and then I think it was 2017, I watched the Bears. Rami, you might know this better than me. The Bears played the Packers, mm-hmm. and they were losing. And they came out at halftime, and they ran the ball every play in the second half. And I was like, dude, what is going on right now? Like, even on third and ten, they ran the ball. Third and 12, they ran the ball. Third and 14, they ran the ball. I was like, dude, what? And it was clear that they were like, we just don't trust Mike Glennon to throw the ball right now. We're going to run the ball. To me, that really hurt because it was like, man, I couldn't imagine being on that team right now. Like, dude, you're going to eat something for doing that. Like, you have to throw the ball eventually. They were like, no, man, we're just going to run the (laughs) They ran the ball like the whole second half. I was like, dude, that's incredible. I got I got two of them. One one in football, and and it's it's the Vikings. I I hate to do this to y'all, but... You mentioned Bears versus uh, Packers a couple of years ago. Bears versus Vikings to close out, not this past season, but last season when the Bears had nothing to play for. They had the division locked up. They couldn't move up or down in the NFC playoff picture. The Vikings, if they win that game, they're going to the playoffs. And somehow, Alex, I don't know how this happens. The Bears showed up for that game, the team more ready to play, and seemingly the team that wanted it more, and they weren't even playing a bunch of their starters for that. I don't know how that happens in Week 17 where one team is playing for nothing, the other team is playing for their playoff lives, and the team that's playing for nothing comes out with more fire and more passion. Well, I think that when you look at that, it was a lot of, the, like you said, the backups. I mean, could you imagine the rah-rah speech that they needed to go out there and win that game? <laughs> like, listen, they're going to start their starters, and we're starting our backups. If we even kick them in the face, dude, this place is going to erupt. Like, if I was a backup, my whole motivation would be like, listen, I don't want to get shown up by a starter. Like, I want to go out and make a name for myself. I want to have a lot to prove out here right now. This is our team, you know, and that sometimes can be the most dangerous thing. I've always said this. Teams that have nothing to lose are the most dangerous because they don't care what you think. They're just going to go play to play, and they're like, man, everyone told us we suck or we're the best. Like We don't need anything. We're just here to have fun, and that is always dangerous. The other one was in baseball, and uh, I – I was in a I was in a weird spot. So I'm a Cubs fan. I was working in Milwaukee. The Cubs and the Brewers played a game 163 for the NL Central Championship, and it was just clear to me watching that game that the Brewers wanted it a little bit more. The Cubs maybe got fat and hungry on a on a championship season and a, and a good long run of success. And the Brewers were like this young upstart team that was surprising everybody clearly having more fun out there on the baseball field, clearly having more fun in the dugout, clearly wanted it just a little bit more than the Cubs, end up winning that game. And then this was the dagger, Alex. I had to work the post-game show and listen to the joy of Brewers fans for like two and a half hours <laughs> after they just took the division for my favorite baseball team. That was that was a rough afternoon. I had to I had to put down a few claws that evening. Jonathan, you got one? Along the similar lines you had in football, Vikings Bears the season before the one you had, where it was the, I think the last game of the John Fox era, mm-hmm. they had 15 rushes for 30 yards. <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow! Jordan Howard ran it nine times for nine yards. Wow! That's a team that clearly just was ready to be done with yeah, the season. Yeah, they were on the, the final bus. game. They were of the on the season, bus already. The final game of their head coach's tenure there. They were ready to be done with that head coach. That's, that was that would be mine. I think we amazing. all were though, weren't we? We were all kind of like, all right, five. That was the Vikings thirteen and three season. So the Vikings didn't need that game. They were just kind of like, just don't go out there and get injured. Just go out there and win a game. 
against a team that clearly just wants its head coach gone. Yeah, and we're ready for the season to be over. Yeah. Next question. Yes. Next question. Back to Eli Manning. News broke yesterday that he is set to announce his retirement tomorrow. What will be your lasting memory of Eli Manning's career? The David Tyree catch. I mean, is there any? Nope. Is there any? Is there any answer other than the David well, Tyree catch? Manning. Face. How about the touchdown? How about the touchdown to win the game? What he threw to Plexico, Plexico? Burris. Ooh, yeah, that was yeah. pretty good great, too. I remember throw. that too. Or, yeah, dude, the, him getting out of those tackles, everyone's going to remember that. And I feel bad because everyone's killed him on these memes about his, his facial Manning expressions. Manning face? Yeah. Dude, Manning face. It's just terrible. <laughs> but I think <laughs> it's kind of funny that they catch him in those well, moments. But like, dude. But I, th- I think you're right. Most people are going to remember him getting out of that sack and then throwing the ball to David Tyree. I mean, Actually, you know what? And I'm, I might be a little bit guilty of this myself. I think sometimes people forget how good a play Eli Manning made on that to get away oh, from the pass yeah. rushers and and to to create the time for Tyree to get open and then make that throw and give him the chance to make the great play that he made. But I think so often the highlight just starts with the ball in the air and David Tyree yeah. making a ridiculous catch against his helmet. I think a lot of people forget what Eli Manning did to make that play happen. Agreed with that. I think that, that most people, they just remember the catch on the side of the helmet. They don't remember how we got there. I agree with that. But, I don't remember him stepping up into the pocket that was already collapsing and then just like finding a way to get free of a guy who had a fistful of his jersey. But Manning face is a real thing, for sure. <laughs> it's a real Contagious thing. Contagious, too. Next, next question, Jonathan. <laughs> Saints GM Mickey Loomis said Drew Brees can play for the Saints as long as he wants. If you were Sean Payton, the head coach of the Saints... What would you want to do at quarterback? Here's your three options. A, Drew Brees, and you get him for the short term, obviously. B, Teddy Bridgewater, which you probably have for the long term. Or C, other. I'm going A. You're going with Drew Brees? For sure. Short term? Absolutely. Absolutely. The dude is clearly hungry still. And, I mean, to me, that team, they slept on the Vikings. They were like, oh, this team's not going to be anybody. Like, not respecting any part of that game. When you look at what they've done over the body of work over the year, dude, Drew Brees has kept that team competitive because people can say that that defense was great, and they were when Teddy was in there, but my God, when Drew's in there, dude, that's a whole different heartbeat that team has, man. Like they, He knows how to put points up quickly, and I would take him for two more years, absolutely. I, now, if I'm Mickey Loomis, I probably want Drew Brees back because yeah. Pete, it's – if you if you miss on that decision, you you're gonna you're gonna cost yourself a portion of the fan oh base. Maybe God. maybe not permanently, but a lot of people are gonna legendary. Be, exactly, dude, you would but, be legendarily hated if you got rid of him and he won a Super Bowl somewhere else. But like, if you're, dude, first of all, if if you're asking me from the perspective of Sean Payton, who doesn't really have to worry about ticket sales or fan loyalty or how many people are buying jerseys or T-shirts or hats. I'm I'm always of the belief of I'd I'd rather move on from a guy a year too early mm-hmm. than a year too late. And especially when Teddy Bridgewater just showed me what he showed me he can do in this system with those players. And on top of that, if I'm Sean Payton, I'm thinking about my own personal job security. And what do I do at quarterback if Drew Brees decides to move on one year from now and Teddy Bridgewater is playing for another team? Do I hand it over to Taysom Hill? Do I have to go and find somebody new? And, And am I confident that I can go and find somebody new? If I feel like I have my next guy in Teddy Bridgewater... And I'm Sean Payton, and I want to coach...
for an extended period of time beyond 2020, I think I might pull the trigger and move on from Drew Brees, even though it might be a year too early, and move into the Teddy Bridgewater era after what I saw from him over, what was it, a five or a six-game stretch five this game. season? Yeah, one five and oh. And I'm the guy who, part of, my brand, of part of my brand, part of my brand is saying Teddy Bridgewater is an average QB. <laughs> but that being said, he has a very smart head coach and a lot of weapons to work with there in New Orleans, and that can make an average QB look far, far above average. I'm going with with B, Teddy Bridgewater for the long term because you know the option, you know one of the options that Teddy Bridgewater has if he leaves New Orleans this year is Tampa Bay. They're your division rival. You do not want them getting Teddy Bridgewater, getting an actual competent quarterback in there with the weapons they have in Tampa Bay for the long term. That's not an option I want to take. I'd rather move on from Drew Brees. What if Drew goes early. to Tampa? <laughs> and they have him for the short term, and I'm okay with that. But if they have Teddy for the long term, and I have to face him every year and face a really good team, I'd rather face Drew Brees for a year or two with Tampa than Teddy Bridgewater for five years. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I'm worried about my. I gotta I gotta look out for number one. Mm-hmm. And number one needs a quarterback for the long term. If I'm Sean Payton and I want to coach past 2020. Yeah. Last question, Jonathan. This one comes from Alex Boone himself. Since Larry mm. Fitzgerald and Aaron Rodgers are now both minority owners of NBA teams, if you could be a minority owner of any team in any sport, what would it be? I assume you have an answer for this since it's your question, Alex. Dude, the Cleveland Indians. I have been the biggest Cleveland Indians fan ever. I love baseball. It is like the most calming sport, and it's so awesome. Just Wait, go you do? Sit. You're a baseball oh, guy? I didn't know you I were love, a baseball guy. Dude, I love watching baseball. If you come over to my house in the summer, there's always a baseball game on in the in the background. Always. Can we go to a Twins game with you? I want to see you. Oh, at, I, yeah. at you see, I went to the home opener last year. Are you kidding me? They played the Cleveland Twins or the Cleveland Indians, dude. I, I was all about to, it. I want to go to a Twins game with him. I love <laughs> I love baseball because, dude, it, there's nothing better than the smell of the fresh grass. Like, football is yes. great, but there's a lot of yelling. And that's like, I'm cool with that all the time. But if I really had my choice, I would go sit right behind home plate and watch a baseball game. Like, there's nothing greater than that. I, we're more compatible than I ever thought we were, <laughs> I think we just became best friends. Um, yeah, for me, it's baseball. It's baseball all day, and, and I'm sitting here today. Jonathan, what am I drinking my coffee out of today? Uh, Chicago Cubs. Cup. It's the Chicago Cubs 2016 I hate you, World by the Series. Way. I hate you. I hate everything about you. You didn't even have to finish that sentence. I hate you. That's right. I watched that. I cried. I cried when they lost, dude. I was like, are you serious? I remember being upstairs in this house, and they lost, and I was like, I will never, ever go to Chicago again. I cried, too, but for very different reasons. That was- oh, dude. That was you know 36 who, years of angst being released from my body. Bro, you know who else was a big fan was uh, Prefer. So Prefer and I used to, like, when the Indians would come to town, they'd come in and say hello and talk to us. He came in the next day so mad, and one of our teammates wore a Chicago Cubs World Series sweatshirt. I swear to God, I thought Prefer was going to beat the living hell out of him. <laughs> he made him leave the meeting. He was like, get out. Get out! Like it was, and then he, the, the, the other player tried to buy him a sweatshirt, dude. It, it, it almost went down in the middle of the field. It was hilarious. It's funny. It's funny you mentioned the smell of the grass too, though, because that's one of the things that always sticks out to me when yeah. I go to a major league baseball game. I remember vividly. I was eight years old when I went to my first game at Wrigley Field, Booney, and I remember walking up, you know, up to the level oh, yeah. where we were, going through the tunnel and out onto the concourse. 
and just I'm I'm an eight year old kid from the inner city of Chicago. I've barely seen grass in my life, and I remember just looking over the railing out onto this field and being like, "It is that grass is so green and it yeah. smells so good." Like that's the memory that stands out to me when I think about that. It's weird too. Is like I feel like the grass from baseball smells so much different than the grass from football. Like football is like a whole new <laughs> like it's a whole new aura, dude. It's a whole new sense. As soon as you like smell, it, you're like, "Dude, I'm ready to fight." Baseball, you're like, "Dude." <laughs> I want a beer and a hot dog right now. Yes, it's relaxing. Dude. It's calming. Then, no, it's the best. And then like you only have to stand up like two or three times because there's only going to be two or three home runs. So you're just sitting there the whole time like, dude, this is great. Oh, this dude. is awesome. Let's go to a Twins-Indians game this I, summer. I, I am so in. Dude, let me know when we can go to a game in period. I'm in. I'm down. I am down. Score North outing to Target Field with Alex Boone. But it's got to be Twins-Indians, right? Dude, it could be Twins anybody. I don't care. Baseball's baseball. You're not going to get into a fight with Twins fans if we take you to a Ooh, Twins well, Indians game. I want to go to a Twins Indians game with them now. No. No, dude. You don't want me to get into a fight. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Let's, no. If, if, I'm not looking for a fight either. If, I just want to go watch some baseball. If Teppers are going to flare, let's let's just. Let's, Look at you stirring the pot, Rami. We can go to a different game, maybe. We can go to a different game. We'll hit a dude. quick break. On the other side, we'll ask the question that every football show is asking today Is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer? It's Purple Daily. We're on 1500s. ScoreNorth.com, ScoreNorth mobile app. It's Rami Makloff, Alex Boone, and back right after this. TCL is a proud sponsor of the ScoreNorth Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. The ball inside the 14. 39 seconds left. Manning lobs it. Boris alone. That call on Fox from Joe Buck. This is Hour 2 of Purple Daily on Score North on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. Rami Makloff in for Matthew Collar today alongside the former Vikings and NFL offensive lineman Alex Boone. At 3.30, we'll be doing Ask Boone Anything. You can tweet your questions at SKOR North and not just about football. You can literally ask him about anything. We'll also open up the phone lines at 3.30, 651-646-8255. Got a few questions in already, but I'm not even going to lie. Not enough. Jonathan, not enough, right, to, to do the segment? Ask no, 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 we anything. need more. We need, we need more. more. So give us your questions at SKOR North, or like I said, we'll open the phone lines at 3.30, and you can ask Boone anything. You heard there Eli Manning winning one of two Super Bowls that he won in his uh, in his career with the New York Giants. And now everybody, actually yesterday when the news broke, Alex, I was I was on, on Twitter because I always am, as we pointed out in the first hour of the show, and I saw the news going across my timeline, Eli Manning retires, and I, and I said to myself in my head, I was like, okay, and polls asking if Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer coming in three, two, nope. and one. And my timeline was just flooded from him. With, in, from every outlet that's out there that talks about football, asking the question, do you think Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer? So I think we, by law, is it by law, Jonathan, we have to ask yes, this question today? Do. I think it's we an do. FCC regulation at this okay. point. So is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer, in your opinion, Alex Boone? So now here's my question, and this is only one question. Are we saying he's a first ballot Hall of Famer? or he's Does that matter? End? Yes, it does. It does? Yes. I- if you're a first ballot, you're like, yo, dude. I'm a first ballot Hall of Famer. You know what? Famer. If you're like, are you a Hall of Famer? Eh, it took me about five, ten years to get I've in. I've always yeah. thought that was kind of stupid. I don't even know why guys end up on the ballot more than Because once. eventually you're going to end up in there. Yeah, I mean, eventually if you, there's if enough spots. You, you would have gotten voted into the Hall of Fame the first, maybe the second time. How many times did Larry Walker go on the ballot before he got in this ten. year, John? Ten Wasn't times. Ten times? 
Ten times. If you're if it takes you ten times to get into the Hall of Fame, are you really a Hall of Famer? Well, if you get in, you're going to be like, I'm a Hall of Famer. Yes. <laughs> There's my gold jacket. There's my card that says I get in the Hall of Fame for free. Now, I, I think that when you're looking at his body of work, Number one, there's a lot of things to say about this. He comes from family of royalty, okay? Dad, brother, of course. I mean, people look at him extremely high now. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion. That's huge because we've always said that if you are a good enough quarterback, you can take your team to a Super Bowl because that's how your quarterback has to be in the playoffs. Amazing. Absolutely elite because the windows get tighter. Things start happening. And I can speak to firsthand experience because what team did they beat to get to the Super Bowl? The 49ers that we were playing on. And they were like 9-7 and seven coming in that year. We were like, dude, they suck. We're going to kill them. And they ended up not killing. We, they killed us. But we you know, muffed a punt, and then they ended up winning the game, and they ended up going on to win the Super Bowl. But talk about it. Your quarterback has to be the guy to take you there, and he's an MVP, and he's a Super Bowl winner, and he's still you know, a pro bowler, and he's still 10th all-time in, in passing yards. And we act like, oh, dude, that's anybody can do that. Like, Vern up the street's got that going on for him. Dude, dude's got like 56,000 yards in the NFL. That's incredible. I mean, at some point, somebody has to be like, yeah, he's a two-time Super Bowl champion, MVP. He's top ten in passing yards. He didn't always have the greatest record. Like, hey, I Did get he that. win a league MVP? I don't think he ever won a league no, MVP. No, he won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl man. MVP, yeah. Super Bowl MVP. But it's still, I mean, like in the biggest game, you were the MVP. Like You were clutch in super times. And, and him getting out of that sack to win the game and throw the ball to, uh, to David Tyree, I mean, dude, things like that make you a clutch player and make you a great quarterback. Is he a Hall of Famer with everything that we just listed? I think that that kind of puts you into the conversation of, yes, you're a Hall of Famer. Not only do you come from a good family that are Hall of Famers, but you come from you know a two-time Super Bowl champion resume. Like that is How many, how many guys could be like, dude, we were two-time Super Bowl champs? Not a lot. Like Of all the teams, like I know guys that have played in this league for over 15 years and never even been to the playoffs. So for him to take those teams as far as he did, and maybe some of them didn't have as much talent as people thought they did, I think that he is deserving of a Hall of Famer. I just don't think it's going to happen first ballot. It'll be down the road for sure they'll get him in. I don't know, man. Like, do you th- I've always thought that we weigh the Super Bowl trophies or Super Bowl rings way too heavy when we have the talk about we do. whether we do. the greatest quarterback of all time or just like we're doing right now, assessing the greatness of any given guy's career. If, if Eli Manning didn't have those two Super Bowls, and it's real easy to just take him away, despite all the hard work and that he and the New York Giants did to get there, if he didn't have those two Super Bowls, is this even a discussion? Because Dan Marino is a no-doubt first ballot, if you care about when they get in, oh, no-doubt first ballot Hall of Famer with or without rings. If John Elway doesn't win those two Super Bowls before he rides off into the sunset, that dude is a no-doubt first ballot Hall of Famer regardless. Are we really... If Eli Manning doesn't have those two Super Bowls, are we having this discussion right now? And if the answer to that is no, my question to you is, are we really talking about putting a guy into a Super Bowl because of two really good games and some clutch plays in those good games? Yes, it's the biggest game of the year, and yes, it's for all the marbles, but are we really putting this guy in the Hall of Fame because of his performance in two games? That seems like an awfully small sample size to me. No, and don't get me wrong, he still has 117 wins. Like, dude, that's a lot of wins. And you don't have everything to do with that. I've even said that before, but that's still a lot of wins. Now, here's where I have a problem. If you take those Super Bowls away from him, he doesn't even have a 500 record. And that is a problem. Because you're like, dude, you played for 16 years and you don't have an over 500 record. Like, what do you have to show for it? You don't have two Super Bowls if you take those away from him. At the end of the day, you're like, yeah, you broke the top 10 in passing. That's 
that's commendable and that's incredible, but you have to hit certain other things to get into the Hall of Fame. You can't just be the guy that threw the ball amazingly. Like you got to be the guy that led your team somewhere. You're considered an elite player, a generational player, players that step above everybody else and are like, listen, I can lead you into certain situations. That's why when you talk about these two Super Bowls, it's so hard because while I do agree that at times we put a lot of weight on the Super Bowl, and you're like, listen, that's a collective. The team won that. At other times, we've seen players step up and make big plays like he did in those Super Bowls, and you don't win those games if without those plays. You don't win that Super Bowl Absolutely if he doesn't not. break out of No, the... you're right. And that's why it's so hard, though, because you're like, well, I don't want to put a lot of weight on it, but you don't win that game if he doesn't break out of there. So, yeah, I'm giving him that Super Bowl. And then the other one, you're like, yeah, he made some ridiculous plays in that game, too, so, yeah, I guess we're giving both of them like it's – there is a lot of weight in it, but at this one, I, I say he does get in. I'm also saying it's not a first ballot, and I think that eventually they're like, yeah, he gets in because he's a man. The, and then my next thing that I look at after we sort of put the put the Super Bowl rings aside for a second is the numbers. And yet you mentioned he's 10th in, I'll be honest, I didn't know he was 10th in passing yards until you just said he was 10th in passing yards. Oh, yeah, but, dude's throwing the ball. But no other, other than that, I mean, not a lot of the numbers jump off the page to me other than 27 interceptions in 2013, 25 <laughs> interceptions in 2010, both years in which he's a gunslinger. he led the league. He is he is a little he's bit a of gunslinger. a gunslinger. But other, other than 10th in the league in, in passing yards, not a lot of numbers jump off the page when I pull up his pro football reference page. Page and, no, and start analyzing the numbers of Eli Manning. And when you talk about the yards he's thrown for, how much of that is just because this guy won two Super Bowls, the Giants couldn't bench him or move on from him, A, because they're a super loyal organization, that's been their history, but B, it's just a bad PR move when you send the quarterback packing who's won two Super Bowls with you. The guy was a starting quarterback in the league for 15 years, and yes, there is something to be said for that, but if you're a starting quarterback in the league for 15 years, you're probably going to end up being top 10 in passing, aren't you? How many guys are a starting quarterback in this league for 15 years or more? Not a lot. I agree with you there. And I... When you talk about their offense, because I used to talk to guys about their offense, they were all like based off the choice route. That's why those interceptions, because I used to ask the same question, like, damn, that dude throws a lot of interceptions. It's all choice routes. He thinks you're running a fade, you don't end up running it. He throws the fade, dude. Ball's getting intercepted. Like, that's just how it works. So he was a gunslinger, though. But, dude, when you talk, like you just said, you talk about Dan Marino, there's no question. I'm putting Dan in the Dan could have his own wing. I am a huge Dan Marino fan, like the biggest ever. And... I don't see Eli like that in my book. And maybe it's because, and I think a lot of it too is sometimes because it's more personable for us. Like we remember watching all these. And at times I remember playing him and seeing him in times where it was tough. And it was like, man, I don't know if I'd want that dude on my team. You know what I'm saying? Like I know you see so much more than the, than the normal person sees it. You're like, I don't know about this guy, but I don't see him like a Dan Marino in my book. Like you said, if John Elway didn't win those Super Bowls, he'd be getting in. I don't see it like that. Like I see it like, yeah, he did. He had a great career. And, I could see him getting in because he's a Manning, and they let that slide. But after that, sure. And when you look at the numbers and for for his time from 2005 to 2018, 66 quarterbacks attempted at least 1,000 passes. Among that group, and I got this from the article debating among their NFL uh, beat people about whether or not he's a Hall of Famer. Among the among those guys, 66 quarterbacks who attempted at least 1,000 passes. Peyton Manning in completion percentage. Ranks 42nd. Yards per attempt ranks 29th. Adjusted net yards per attempt 28th. Interception percentage 48th. 
And a question I ask myself whenever we start talking about Hall of Fame, and especially if we're talking about the quarterback position, Booney, is, is was this guy, at least for a good stretch of his career, when he was in his prime, for a good four- to six-year stretch, was he one of the two or three quarterbacks in the league that you would say, I want to start, if I was starting a franchise today, I'm starting it around that guy. Eli Manning... For yeah. me, and some of this is just eye test watching him play. Some of this is the numbers that I just mentioned. He was never even top five. If you gave if you gave me that that hypothetical of you're starting an NFL franchise today, what quarterback are you going to start that franchise around? Eli Manning isn't even top five on my list. And if a guy isn't top five in my list from an era, how is he a Hall of Famer despite two Super Bowl rings? Well, that's the problem. Is like the what. What do they characterize as important to get into the Hall of Fame? Like when you're looking at this, is it what this guy's done on his own? Because really, all he's done is thrown for a lot of yards. Like nothing else really jumps off the page. Like you said, if you start to look at the collective, like how did he get his team to play? Like you could look at that year that they beat us, and you could be like, that was a nine and seven team. They were probably on their way out, and somehow they made it all the way to win the Super Bowl. And I think if I'm not correct, didn't they beat? They were undefeated, right? The Patriots that year were undefeated. Yes. So you beat an undefeated team. Like you, you could look at that body of work, and people are going to say, "Hey, listen, that's not easy to do. That's not easy to go on the road in the entire playoff system and work these teams over, especially teams that were all ranked better than you." So that's that's why you have to give special care to, like, "Hey, he's got a Super Bowl," and not only that, he took his team on the road through the entire playoff system because I was there for it, and it was like, "Wow, this team really is kind of special." And even though a lot of people give him doubt, and he, the quarterback is the one that should be giving you the spark. He's the one that should be carrying you through there. So while I say that. I agree with you on a lot of that. They're going to look at that and go, listen, this dude was probably a special player for this team. He meant a lot. He did a lot for that team. He's a big reason they won these two Super Bowls. For that reason, we're going to let him in. How much does the New York thing play in? Because if he's still a Manning, everything about his career is exactly the same, but say he won those two Super Bowls with, I don't know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, does he still get the credit he gets right now if he's not in New York for his entire career? Absolutely. I think they probably wouldn't be, there wouldn't be so many memes about him. I think that when you are in New York, you expose yourself to a lot. And I think that they catch on to things quickly. I mean, look at, look at the gay situation. The minute he, the media found out that he was like getting poked by them, they loved it. And they were like, oh, we're going to just keep poking this dude. Like, for whatever reason, it seems like he never cares about any of this. I think he's actually handled it a lot better than people expected or thought or think that he's handled it. Like, there's all this stuff that's going on about him. But had he not played in a New York media, in a media that was less quiet, you, we might even think better about it. We might be like, man, this guy's great. We would have seen all the memes of him just looking silly on the sideline. Like, we would have been like, dude, he's a respectable player. And then you talk about, like, if he would have had receivers like that now. Like, look at the, the years that they had these last couple of years, you know, and dealing with OBJ and all the tirades that guy went on against him. And, you know, you think, man, if he were in a different system, yeah, I could see him probably being a little bit better, having a little bit more success. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like he was not a product of the system because that system was largely built around him, what he could do and what he couldn't do, but just kind of right place, right time, Alex. And we, we talked about it based off the question that Jonathan posed in, in Hot Routes. You and me both agreed that if we could go back and do that draft again between Roethlisberger, Rivers, and Manning, he's probably the third guy we take out of that draft, despite him going on to win Super Bowls. In hindsight, we're all looking back and saying, yeah, give me, give me Rivers or give me Ben Roethlisberger. Plop, like, take either one of those two guys. Put them in that Giants organization. Do they win those two Super Bowls? 
I say yes and probably put up better numbers and maybe even a better win-loss record. I don't know if I can say they'd win more than two Super Bowls because a lot has to go right to win one Super Bowl. But I think they win those two and and probably put up more impressive individual performances between those two guys. I would agree with that. I think, like you said, they were carried by some tough defenses, and that is a quarterback's best friend. And, you know, those... I think Phillip would have succeeded more. I see him more as like the true pocket passer, like the guy that can stand back there and get rid of it and throw it around. Like Ben, to me, at times holds on to it too much, and I don't think that that would have been good for them, especially because I know that they had some O-line issues throughout there. But I, when you look at it, man, I think Phillip in that offense could have won two Super Bowls for sure. Yeah. I, Which is almost weird because the way that that whole thing played out on draft day was just so weird. Like, I, I can't believe that more people don't make focus of that. Like, this dude was like, nah, man, I'm just basically not going to play for you guys. Not going to happen. Zero chance this happens. Like, and it actually went through. That was insane to me. Yeah, we forget about that. People were killing Eli Manning and, and Archie Manning for that. Archie was all about it. He Ar- was like, look, my son said no. I said no. Archie was taking a beating in the media. Though, and you talked about, and they, 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 they got back to that status eventually, but... They're like the they were then and are now again the first family of football. Like they are that's a family that's just identified with NFL football, the Mannings, but for a minute there, they were kind of hated and looked at as what's wrong with sports, this diva behavior, this guy gets drafted, won't go to the team that he's drafted to. Like I, I don't know how many people remember or how many people forget that that was that was the narrative when that whole thing was going down. The Mannings were not well-liked. I mean, Peyton sort of stayed out of all of it and didn't, did. didn't get caught in the fray, but Archie and Eli took a beating and came out of that looking bad. To be fair, though, he did say, don't draft me. Like, dude, I don't want to play for you guys. Like, <laughs> if you expected... I think that that was the problem. Was like he was like, "Listen, I don't want to play for you guys." And they were like, "We call your bluff." And he was like, "Dude, I'm a Manning. I don't. You don't need to call my bluff. <laughs> my, my dad did this forever. My brother's over here doing it. I don't think you get me when I say I don't want to play for your silly organization." <laughs> when they did that, and the league bowed a knee to them, that was instantly made them royalty. That made them royalty because that was them saying, "Dude, we control the tide, not you." And I you- told you not to do this, and you did it. Now we're going to show you why you should have like dude that was hysterical he was he was the first guy to do that since john elway but john elway had the leverage of i'll just go play for the yankees man they they drafted me i'm an (laughs) all-american baseball player you know what you can draft me if you want but i can just go play for the yankees eli manning didn't have any leverage other than what you just said i'm a manning like you're not gonna you're not gonna make me go and play somewhere i don't want to play i'm a damn manning and i'm gonna go play where i want to play draft be damned I i don't care who i don't care who has the number one pick and can i just say and this is such a humble brag too that one time we went to the broncos when peyton was there to do preseason and so I was standing out there talking to my coach, Chris Furster, who you know got in trouble in Miami, but was one of the greatest guys and smartest minds in the NFL. And out of nowhere, Peyton comes out of it. He's like, hey, Chris, what's going on? He looks at me and goes, Booney, how you doing? I'm like, oh, my God, he knows who I am. I'm like, dude, this is incredible. <laughs> so we start talking for like half an hour. This dude, I'm not kidding you. I have never. Hold in on, my I got life. I got lost in the story for a second. There was it. Is it Eli or Peyton that you're Peyton. talking? To? Okay, all right. Okay, I, I have never been so blown away by somebody's logical thinking, like in terms of football and just speaking, like the way he talks. You're like, dude, I'm hanging on every word, man. Like you are my total man crush. Like, bro, I was, like, trying to be really cool. I was like, yeah, you got it, Peyton. You're the man, dude. Like, <laughs> Were you guys talking football? Or were you yeah, because okay. Chris and I were talking about a couple of the plays, and Peyton came over and started talking to Chris, and then all of a sudden we started a conversation about some plays, and Chris was 
like, yeah, I was just telling him about how we used to run the Dino or whatever. And I was like, oh, my God, he's talking. Oh, my God. Like, dude, you have never seen somebody just, you know. And then the fact that, like, he would just stand there and, like, he was, like, have a real conversation. I was like, dude, this is, like, the greatest moment of my life. Other than meeting Dan Marino. That was the greatest moment. Oh, you met Dan Marino, too. Dude. you name dropper. He shook my hand. He called me kid. I It was, like, two years ago. And I was like, oh, my God. He called me kid. <laughs> I swear to God, my knees went weak. I almost fell over. I was like, you know how like, you come out of nowhere and put their hand on your shoulder? He's like, hey, kid, how you doing? I go, oh, my God, he called me kid. Yeah, that's pretty amazing, man. That's pretty that great. I, uh, I've told this story before, but when I was a sophomore in high school, I was, I don't know if they did this at your school, Alex, but uh, I, was, I was on the sophomore team, the varsity team, when they start the playoffs. They'll call up a few sophomores just to, oh, yeah. just to be tackling dummies in practice. That's oh, all yeah. we were. And I wasn't that good, but I was heavy, and they needed practice moving heavy weights. <laughs> so they, <laughs> so they, they called me up to the uh, varsity squad just, just, just to practice and be a, a heavy tackling dummy. And on the last day of practice, they said, we have a guest speaker, guys, coming to the gym before, before we start practice today. We go in there. And it's Walter Payton. He, oh my God! I guess, shut he, up. He played college football with one of the uh, one of the assistant coaches on the varsity team. I was so in awe. I can't tell you one. Like I'm sure he passed on a lot of football knowledge, just a lot of life wisdom in the Nothing. fifteen or twenty yep. minutes that he was talking to us. I was so in awe, so shell shocked. I don't remember one word he said. Man. I don't remember one word he said. I don't blame you. And that then, been, oh, and God. then. The coach says, sophomores, you're dismissed. You don't have to practice and take the beating today. They go out to the practice field. Walter Payton hangs out with the handful of sophomores who are still there and just plays catch with us. I played sure. catch with Walter Payton. It, it, was, it, was, it was amazing. It was, it, was like, it was like a dream. And then this dude gets in this sports car that, to this day, I still don't know what this is. I've never seen anybody else driving it. And straps in like 18 seatbelt buckles and takes off with screeching tires, smoke everywhere. It was like Batman just came into, just came to our school and took off in the Batmobile. It was amazing. Batman took off in the Batmobile. Dude, I couldn't imagine what that would have been like. Sweetness? Oh, my God, dude. It was crazy. Oh my crazy. God. Did you talk to him? Were you like, bro, what's it like? Is it fun? Do you I, so much I don't remember. I, don't, I, uh. I, remember, I remember catching a pass from him and throwing a pass to him. That's that's the only like clear distinct memory of this whole day that I that I st- and like the the image of him standing in front of the gym talking to all of us that I remember but like what he said I I remember nothing just playing catch him getting in the Batmobile strapping in 18 seatbelt buckles and driving off dude that's amazing it was so cool it was so, so it, they and you said when you talked about Adrian Peterson, never meet your heroes. Yes. I would I would tell that story to counter your Adrian Peterson experience. Dude, Dan Marino, <laughs> Dan Marino countered mine. Okay. He was he was great. All right, um, love Dan. Since we brought up my glorious football career, Alex Boone. I want- now that makes sense though. Now why you're a Chicago fan? Because I used to give you a lot of mess, but I'm like, you know what? This dude actually really is a fan now. I can respect that. I I wanted to run something by you that came up in the uh, interview we recorded with Sage Rosenfels earlier. You'll hear it at about 4.30 on Mackie and Judd uh, with Rami this afternoon here on Score North. We do these Score North athlete challenges. Have you seen our Score North athlete challenges, Alex? No, no. So we'll just take like something that you know professional athletes like yourself do. We will try and do it ourselves. Look terrible doing it just to illustrate how great you professional athletes are compared to the normal average human being. Okay, that's so that, right. that's, that's, the, that's the premise of a Score North Athlete Challenge. And we came up with one a few weeks ago on the air, Jonathan, that we never, we sort of forgot about. 
I brought it up to Sage today. You and me versus Sage in a game of dodgeball. Oh, yeah. I'm in still. And Sage is in. Oh, sweet. Let's do this. He wants to do, I'm excited. He wants to do it with footballs. I don't care. Let's no, do this. I'm not getting footballs thrown at me by a former NFL quarterback. No, no, no. no. Let's do this. Nerf, I want why are you guys doing this? I want to watch it. Nerf footballs, baby. Nerf footballs, baby. But we should just do it with regular dodgeball. I'm not getting hit with a football by Sage Rosenfeld. You know how, do you know how much it hurts? Alex, can you attest to this? When yes, the point of a football I've had it hit me right flush? in the eye before. It's not fun. Seriously? Right in the eye? Like right in the eye socket? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's the worst. It was not fun. Dude. Oh, man. Yeah. No, it does not. It's not fun, dude. Wait, no. what, that, that's the question, too, because like those NFL balls, man, when they mud them, they're super hard. Yeah. Like, well, before they mud them, they're super, super hard. And then when they mud them, they soften up. But if you get one before it's mudded, dude, it's like throwing a brick. You, yeah. should, make it, you should make it those footballs. They're rock hard, and he yes. throws harder than this. any normal human being. Where are you doing it? I want to watch well, it. Hold on, Boone. I think you're going to be more excited about what I'm about to propose to you, sir. What also came up over the course of that conversation with Sage, Mackie said, Rami, you should go one-on-one against Boone and try and tackle Sage Rosenfels. Are you serious? Are we going to do this? I want in on this, too. Can I... Let's do this. Wait, you want to try it, too? Yes, you absolutely. Want to, you want to go one-on-one against Alex Boone and yeah. try and tackle Sage? I know I'm going to lose, but I still want to try it. I would do it. I think I would do it. I'll do it, Alex. And I, I know you're probably going to pummel me into the ground. You're how how large a man are you? For those who don't know, Alex Boone. I mean, right now I'm not very large. You're large, no. Jonathan. Jonathan, you're, what do you think? Six eight, two seventy five. Oh, yeah, you're not that yeah. big. But I was. Yeah, and a there's lot bigger. there's not fat there, so it's just yeah. muscle. So yeah, you're a large man. I don't want to do this. I don't want to hurt you guys. <laughs> I don't care. Let's do this. Because if you really tell me that you're going to pass rush me, dude, it's odd. <laughs> no, I'm like, going to pass rush you. I'm going to pass. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to go. Can I'm, we videotape this? Yes. Yeah. So we'll, that's yeah. That's why it. we're doing. it. You think I would do it if there wasn't content on the line, man? Yeah. That's exactly why we're. Can doing it. Can I bring it. some old helmets? Can we bring some old helmets and jerseys? <laughs> yeah. Hell yes. Yes. Can we mess around? Hell yes. So in. Where are we going? Hell yes. My backyard. Uh, sure. any, anywhere, Where? we'll, we'll find we'll find a field somewhere. I'm yeah. down. Place we'll bring the video. Crew. I'm down. I've been Bro. pancaked before. Never by an NFL player, but I've been pancaked before. Won't be the first time. Probably won't be the last time that I get put on my back. I'm I'm down. If you're down, Alex, I'm down, dude. And Let's I don't do want it. you to take it easy on us either. I don't know if you know, but I played. I'm not fla- going to. I, I had an illustrious flag football career after my high school after my high school playing days. Dude, it's on. It's on. Like <laughs> Donkey Kong said that. I can't believe you just said that. Oh, he's all about it. <laughs> do you have? Do you have a move like that? That that it was a hole in your game. That was a weakness. A pass Why rushing. Why would he move? tell you that? I'm just yeah. asking. Uh, <laughs> He's not going to tell you this because I only have one move. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I only have uh, one I'm, move. I'm sure I know rushing. what it is. What is I'm, it? I'm sure you're just going to try and run right down the middle. Of no, 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 no. <laughs> I had to try and bull rush you. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. No, absolutely not. I have technique. I have, I have a move. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I have a pass rushing move. It's not going to work whether I tell you what it is or not. But was there a hole in your game when you played? Like if a guy did something, he he might get the best of Alex you know, Boone. You know what used to I used to hate it was when guys would line up inside of me. So like between me and the center, if you lined up down there, it's always hard to slide down because you have to go like, you don't want to go too far because then you invite him outside, but you can't go too shallow because then he's just going to bull you through the inside because you're not very strong on your inside arm. You're not supposed to be like super heavy. You always want somebody on your outside. But if you go down too far and they slap your hands and work outside, like sometimes that can be a real pain. And the last time it happened to me was Aaron Donald started in a three technique and moved into it right between me and the center. And I was like, oh my God. 
this is going to suck. Because, dude, that dude. I mean, I distinctly remember looking at him, and I still vividly remember exactly what I felt like. My God, this is going to suck. Like, you got to be just right on this. You got to be just perfect. And I end up not going down far enough, and I end up having a pressure, and you got to close the gap. And, dude, it is such a pain. And then they know you're, you're mentally messed up from that, dude. Like, the rest of the game, you're like, just don't ever line up there. And then he goes back there, and you're like, no, dude. No, dude, go back out. Go back out. Go back. And they don't. And it's just, dude, I used to hate that. Does Aaron Donald make you feel small? It doesn't make me feel small. He makes me feel slow. Like okay. he, I always feel like he's one step ahead of you, and you're constantly trying to like not overreact, and you're not trying to underreact. You're trying to just play ball. Like that's what my that's what the guys used to say all the time, dude. Just play ball. Just play ball against them. And you're like, that could be in a lot of different things at a lot of different times. And that's also on you to know when he's going to turn up and when he's just kind of trying to take a chill on you. Yeah, that that much human being should not be able to move that fast as dude, Aaron Donald is, does. It's it's not. Quick. It's against all laws of physics and he's biology. Fluid. He's fluid too. Like there's no kick, like chink in his armor. You know what I mean? Like sometimes when guys run upfield, they have like a little. Uh, they have a vulnerability. Like they'll give you a spot to hit them that you can't. They they can't defend. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes when you're running, you naturally open your chest. Well, like good guys will learn how to cover their chest up. That way you can't shoot your hands. Aaron's to the point to where like if you shoot and miss, dude, it's over. Like and, you you have to really be like I'm 100 percent confident I'm going to hit my hand on his chest plate. Not not to get too weird, but the guy is like he's like thickly built, like a lot of offensive and defensive linemen. Yet somehow. And I think he was in the ESPN the body issue. That's the picture that keeps popping up whenever you see Aaron Donald shirtless. He has he has like a six pack, dude. I, I don't like humans aren't built the way that Aaron Donald is built, and then he moves as fast as he does on top of it. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. It's insane. It's, he's insane. Smart. it's he's smart. It's time for uh, ask Boone anything here on Purple Uh-oh. Daily, though. Right after this break, your questions about anything, not not just football. It can be literally anything. Six five one. 646-8255, or tweet those questions at SKOR North. It's Purple Daily. We're on 1500, scorenorth.com, and the Score North mobile app. Jonathan here with the Score North download. You can join Team Mackey and Score North at this year's Big Climb Minneapolis on Saturday, February 15th at the Capella Tower as we raise money to fight blood cancer. Donate to our team or join Team Mackey for just $20 when you use the promo code Mackey when you register to climb. For more information, visit scorenorth.com keyword climb. If you missed the news earlier today, Gary Kubiak is reportedly going to become the next Vikings offensive coordinator. And he was talking earlier this year about what it's been like working with Kirk Cousins. Here's what he said. You know, I continue to learn more about him every day. You know, personally, how he prepares, uh, how he thinks, you know, going into game, how, how we get, how we make him confident going into game. So I think it's a uh, process just we continue to go. I think it's been really good. But I think the best thing is we have a lot of eyes on him from a standpoint of guys that have coached quarterbacks. So uh, been a good working relationship. you got to give Sean Mannion uh, – and Jake, a lot of credit in that room. It's a great room. Uh, they're all working toward the same goal. Those two guys really help him prepare, so they deserve some credit, too. And uh, Rammstein is live at U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday, August 30th. Tickets on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. at Rammstein.com. Download the Score North app now for your chance to win tickets to the show. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. On 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app, Alex Boone alongside myself, Rami Makloff. And last night, Boone sent us a text, myself and Jonathan, saying he wanted to take questions from the Purple Daily listening audience. And not just questions about football, but questions about just about anything within 
Within reasonable parameters, all right? Let's not get crazy. We are regulated by the FCC. Alex Boone <laughs> yes, we are. is a man with four children. He can't embarrass himself too much on these airwaves or on scorenorth.com or the Score North app. So within reason, you can ask Alex Boone about anything right now. Tweet those questions at Score North or give us a call at 651-646-8255 or tweet them, like I said, at S-K-O-R North. Are you ready for this, Alex? You've opened Pandora's box. I can't believe we did this. Let's I'm sorry excited though you put it out there <laughs> I know. let's start off with a phone call and billy in minneapolis what's your question for alex boone well that's a football question sorry but uh, all good hey i always wondered uh two things really um you know when it, it, anytime you touch a football i mean you play a catch in the backyard and it goes off your finger it hurts i've always wondered how in the heck anybody could block a punt or a kick without breaking their arm or finger and i've also wondered uh, if you could answer the question, have you ever been in one of those scrums trying to get a fumble, and what is that really like? Thanks. Dude, what a great, great question. God, I love that. All right, listen, I agree with you. I don't know how you don't break a finger, because you ever see those slow-mo where they, the ball comes off the foot and like the ball hits the finger and they just bend all the way back? Like I, I don't want to be one of those guys. But when you're on the bottle of one of those scrums, I've been there where guys like they'll They'll start to go in your eye socket. They'll start to get in your mouth what? like a little fish hook. There's been a few guys to come around the throat. I mean, they're looking for the ball, and if they find something else, they're going to be like, look, dude, I'm going to mess with you. I mean, there was times we had a problem one time. We were playing the Chiefs, and I'm not going to say who it was, but I remember who it was. Anthony Davis said that somebody had grabbed his junk on the bottom of the pile, and it did it purposefully. And it was like, dude, look, all right, we can't be saying that. And then we watched the video, and you see one of the guys kind of grab him. And it was like, look, man, there's rules to this league. Like, we can't be doing that to each other. Dude, it was a big problem. Like, there was a big fight afterwards. It was a big deal. Those things are they're dangerous, but I'll tell you what. You come out there without that ball, you're going to be sorry. They're going to be like, dude, why didn't you get the ball? You had the total opportunity. Like, dude, some guy had a finger in my nose. I had a finger in my mouth. They're like, so get the ball. You're like, oh. You did it then. So there is a line you can cross in the pile. Yes, so dude. Oh, it's yeah, ab- dude. What, above the belt? No, you got to keep it dude. above the belt? Above the belt and nothing comes out of the mouth. If you spit on anybody, bro, bro, it's over. <laughs> you cannot be saved. Your, your own teammates can't save you. There are times where there, things have happened. And it was like, yeah, dude, you went too far. I can't save you on this one. Like, whatever happens, whatever actions of recourse happen is on you now. And, you know, it could be like one time we had a guy poke another guy in the eye too late. And it was like, he kind of deliberately went for the eye, and that was like, dude, that's a no-no. We're not doing that around here. Like, that's not what we're labeling ourselves as. And that and that caused, you know, people want to get you back then. All of a sudden, you become a target. And, you know, it, it was it, – some crazy things have happened on the Bob. A lot of laughing, though. A lot of guys laughing, like joking around. <laughs> They're obviously the ones grabbing around. You know I mean? If you got to do it in the eye socket, you're probably going to be laughing, too. You're going to be like, dude, how does that feel, loser? <laughs> So did true. you did you ever block a punter or a kick or you were probably never on that side no, of special the, teams? Right? No, but I, I've been I've been on uh, field goals that were blocked, and I'm going to tell you right now, it is not fun because when you become it's just like an interception when you're an offensive player and you become a defender, you better watch out because there are dudes who are like, yes, now it's my turn to deplete him, right? Like because I know where the defender is always going to be. That's why we always like if you're smart enough, you can figure it out. But when that ball is intercepted, you see old lineman looking everywhere, like, dude, somebody's coming for me. Because remember when Warren Sapp. Hit the put, hit yes. the dude from uh, Chad Clifton. Chad Clifton, dude, things like that happen 
constantly. That's the most scary thing for an offensive lineman because, number one, we're not used to being on a punt return like that. Like, it turns to punt return. You're just running to go hit somebody. And then all of a sudden, you're not used to, like, looking out for other people hitting you. They're used to looking out for you. So it's like, man, this is their one payback play. And I'll tell you what, I've been rang a few times. There's some dudes that have laid me out. I was like, my God. And I remember one time, I played with a guy named Barry Sims. And if I'm remembering correctly, Barry played for Oakland and the Niners. And if I'm remembering correctly even more, he got taken out one time. And it was the scariest thing I ever saw. And it was on an interception. And it was like, dude, you got to be really careful. Now they outlawed those blindside blocks and those backside blocks. And you can't do that anymore. But my God, that was a scary time back then. I know it's Ask Boone anything. And I've already talked about my illustrious playing career. And people really aren't here for that. But the, <laughs> the, the greatest accomplishment I ever had on a football field, Alex Boone, I was a sophomore and I was on I was on punt coverage or yeah punt coverage and I somehow nobody blocked me I was I was in the middle of the line nobody blocked me I run right up the middle the punter punts the ball and I was a heavy dude I like at one point I was I was 320 at my heaviest so I had like I had like uncooked bread dough as <laughs> as as a midsection did he hit you the, the ball hit me right in the stomach but because oh. but because I was so soft and cushy it just <laughs> stayed there and I wrapped my my arms around it it was at like the 6 yard line and just waddled into the end zone for my only official touchdown in any football game ever it was glorious it hurt like hell but it was glorious Robbie can I just be honest I bet they didn't block you because there was like there's no way this guy's going to get to the butter <laughs> <laughs> and then when you did, I guarantee you, they were like, dude, we didn't think that could happen. He wasn't, no way he was going to catch it. No right? way, dude. So you actually scored a touchdown? Yeah. I've never th- done that. The thing hit me in the stomach, stayed there for a second, long enough for me to wrap my arms around it and just waddle six yards into the end zone. It was great. Kind of jealous. But when we at, Rami asked you at the end of the last segment whether Aaron Donald made you feel small, and you said mm-hmm. no. Who was the guy that made you feel small? All right, so I was thinking about this when you asked that question because I was like, man, no one's ever really made me feel small. But I will say this. When I was uh, when I was younger and I was heavy. I mean, I was a big dude, like 325 when I first started at right guard. We played um, we played a hell of a schedule that year, but we played in Dominican Sioux. And I remember thinking, this dude is huge. Like, because normally I was a big guy. I was 6'8", 325. I was like really the first tall guard. And then not only that, but I was thick. So when he kind of showed up the same size as me, I was like, this is a big dude. But J.J. Watt was also another one. Underwhelmingly surprised me when it came to like how big he was because I saw him on tape and I'm like, oh, he's a big dude. But when he put his hand in the ground, I remember looking at his hand and it looked like the biggest hand I'd ever seen. And I was like, dude. This dude's going to be strong. And he was. He was every bit of country strong that kid was. But when you really talk about making you small, I think Akeem Hicks was the one guy that was like, this dude's huge. And for all you that don't know, where you come from? Regina, Regina College up in Canada? Mm-hmm. When uh, he started out with the Patriots or whatever, he went to the Saints. We played him when he was at the Saints. He used to take a five-yard running head start at me at 365 pounds. <sighs> Ah, oh, dude, I used to love it because as soon as we hit, dude, he was like, nah, man, I don't know if I want to do that anymore. And I was like, big dog, I'm built for comfort, not for speed, dude. I could do this all day. And then the one time he rushed us, he was like, all right, I'm going to do it again. So he did it again. I cut him. I was like, dude, this. I felt terrible for doing it. But I was like, I got to do it. I got to do it. He was coming. And I, I cut him, caught him in the knee. Dude, it was great. Uh, this is a perfect non-football question for Ask Boone Anything. And keep them coming at Score North or give us a call, 651-646-8255. This comes from Ty Soup. He says, Boone, would you rather fight one horse-sized chicken 
or 20 chicken-sized horses? <laughs> That's a great question. I love That's a great question. That's a great uh, question. I would rather fight 20 horses chicken-sized. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to fight a, I don't want to fight a big chicken the size of a horse. Dude, are you kidding me? You imagine what that thing would do to you? You'd be trying to knock it in the side of the head. It's pecking you in the forehead. God, I'm not about that life. I'll take those little horses on though. Yeah, I'm right, I would. Horses are strong though, man. But I would take them twice. sized. Dude, if they're chicken sized, you kick them around a little bit. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, here's one, uh, let's see, here's one from Chris A. He says, would you rather play for a coach like Belichick, who is cutthroat, or a player-loyal coach? Mm. Man, that's a that's a tough one. I think I would rather play, me personally, I like to play for the Belichick-type coaches. I obviously like to, you know, I speak the truth, I speak exactly how I feel. I like it in return. I don't like things sugar-coated, ever. And I've always told the coaches... Hurt me with the truth. Don't come for me with a lie. I don't care. I have no feelings. We are here to win. That's all I want to do. So when it comes to like, sometimes those player loyal coaches can like, they can leave you hanging a little bit. They can dupe you into thinking everything's good. And all of a sudden your name shows up on the chopping block. Like, wait a minute, big dog. The dude that was in the beginning, like, I will always tell you the truth, will tell you week 12. You are starting to sag. You need to bring it up. And then all of a sudden, when it comes down the pipe, you're not like, oh, my God, I had no idea. I mean, I can remember tons of guys coming back like, you know what, dude? At least they were always honest with me. At least they always told me how they felt, and it didn't come as a shock when I got cut or when it didn't work out. You know, it's always the guys that come back and like, man, I thought we were good. I thought we were, we thought everything was good, and all of a sudden my name shows up. Like, why couldn't you just tell me earlier? And I was like, well, I don't want to hurt your feelings, and I thought we were good, and I didn't think we were not good. Dude. Keep it honest all the time. Does it, wear, does it wear thin, though? Because one of the things that, that is sort of rumbling in terms of the, the Tom Brady storyline is, you know, he has six rings already, and, and yeah, he would be happy to get more, but ultimately, with whatever is left in his playing days, a lot of people in Tom Brady's circle are saying he wants to have fun and just enjoy football, and he's tired of following the militaristic marching orders of Bill Belichick and the Patriots organization. Does it wear thin playing for a guy like that? I don't know if I believe that report because they don't seem like they're unhappy there. Not one player there seems unhappy. And it, even when they're asked, they're like, dude, we're really, we're happy. We're fine. We win. I think they understand that in this game, and let's not forget, this is the very top. You are the best in the world. There's no other league like the NFL in the world with football. When you are at the top for 20 years, you have to be militaristic. I guess you have to be completely honed in 100% of the time. They have proven that as a fact. Like, listen, if you want to be at the very, very top for this many years, you have to do things this way. So for someone to come out and go, well, he wants to just have fun now. Well, why is he playing? He certainly doesn't need the money. If you're just playing to have fun, are you sure you're out there to win? Or are you just here to have a good time? Or Like, that's why those reports sometimes to me always sound a little hokey. Like, I don't know anybody that was like, man, we were winning and, uh, you know, whatever. I just wanted to go lose a couple games and see what it was like to be on the other side. Like, <laughs> nobody really says that. If it takes having to work every single day the way they do to be the best, I don't think any of them are like, man, I'm upset about this. This, this uh, sucks. Because you know for six months your life is over. Whatever the coach asks, you're going to do it. You're going to be there. I got you. We need to be there earlier than the early meeting. We will be there two hours earlier than the early meeting. Like, it's it's fine. So when they talk about that, I really do want to know, though, what is going on. Because for them not to have this sewn up, there's something going on behind the scenes. For Tom Brady to not have a contract and to possibly hit free agency and leave, that ain't right. Like, something's wrong there. Uh, I've wondered this myself. Cavanian tweets at Score North. 
How many times a day does Alex Boone say dude? A lot. It's, it keeps me from saying other words. <laughs> Fair enough. Keep doing Dude that, bro, bro. Let's go to uh, Richard in Miami for Ask Boone Anything. What do you have for Alex? Hey, Boone. Hey, what do you guys do on the sidelines when you guys got to go to the bathroom? Great question. Great question. At times, if it's a cold... I see you guys drink a whole bunch of like Gatorade, and I never see you guys ever like go to a porta potty or something. So they have these bags that you can open up, and Appreciate guys will stand Wait, around what? you. What? Yeah, you've never bag? seen that. Yeah, they're like an airtight bag, right? It looks like a doggy bag. And it's, so it's like, and then you, they'll cover the towel around you. You'll see it every now and then if you see a huddle of guys, especially like in an indoor stadium, it's easier to notice because why would four guys be huddled up in an indoor stadium that's controlled by a HC? All right, what's going on over there? Like that's when you they're doing it. But if it's a cold game, and I'll tell you the truth, there's been times where it's like, hey, man, I'm just going to go because it's really, really cold, and this is going to heat me up for a minute. Or Wait, 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 whoa, wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. You can't just breeze can't right just by that. that. No, you can breeze right Keep by going. that because at times you can't be like, Coach, we need to take a timeout. i got to go to the bathroom. He's going to be like, bro, go in your pants. You I don't care. go? Yeah. Don't you get a rash? Don't you chafe? What if you're wearing white pants? I don't wear it for a week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dude. Yeah, and what if you're wearing you, white pants? You can't do it in white pants, right? Bro, at times, you you got to go. Like, the worst feeling is, and I don't know if everybody else always got this. I always wanted it, but I never asked this because I always feel like an idiot. Right before the game, like, right I'll be like, all right, I'm going to go to the bathroom right before I walk out of the, this locker room. And you'll go. As soon as you hit the field, you have to go again. You're like instantly like, i got to go really, really bad. And you would, I would feel like that for the whole first half. Yeah, that started it, happening to me when I turned 40, but it has nothing to do with <laughs> I think mine is more like my nervous anxiety. Like I always feel like I had to pee, which sucked because playing football like that was the worst. Have you seen the new the pop-up tents that they have? Like, you know how there's yeah, the injury pop-up tent? Though. Now they have a pop-up like porta potty tent. Have you seen at, this? At Oregon. Right? Did yeah. you see that? Dude, that was hysterical. That kid like hit the thing and it shot up and went inside. I said Dude. I want one in studio, Boone, just because we have these twenty five minute say. segments. He he it's I told him it'll be part of my next negotiation. <laughs> My I'm all about it. I'm on that negotiation with you, dude. It would make me come in more. <laughs> Sam tweets for Ask Boone Anything. What does the diet of an NFL offensive lineman look like? Great it's question. A, that's a great question. It depends on what you're trying to do, man. For a long time, like, and I was always like the weirdo of the group, the guy that was always trying to explore different things. So I'd be like, one, one year I'd do like no carbs, and then the next year I'd fast for a while and do no carbs, and then the next year I'd fast and do no carbs, but add carbs in. I think that... The truth is this. You see these guys now, they're turning into like machines. Mm-hmm. They're turning into bigger freaks, better athletes. These guys care so much more about what they eat. And I say that because when I first got in the league, I'll give you San Fran, for example, we used to eat out of like a food truck. And it was like, that was breakfast and lunch. And there was really no dinner. Like burgers, and, Yeah, and burritos. I heard, that, I heard that in Oakland, they really did eat out of a food truck. Like we had ours catered and brought in, but it wasn't from like a big place. It was from like... This breakfast spot, and then oh, dinner was Maggiano's every day. They'd, mm. they'd cater in Maggiano's. Oh man! But after a month of lasagna, you were like, "Dude, I got it. I can't eat any more lasagna. <laughs> like, I'm good." I don't think I can get sick of lasagna. No, you can, especially when you're eating on the football field. Like, we would <laughs> eat on the field too. Like, it was like the weirdest thing. Or we'd get Kinder's barbecue, and after a while, you're like, "Man, this barbecue sauce is all just tasting the same." But they got this new cafeteria, and once they did, dude, they started to notice that like 
Guys got stronger. Guys got you know more paid more attention in there because they started eating better foods. Right. So now all these people you see it all the time with these sports science people, right? Like he's been hired to be a sports scientist for this team. He's basically documenting everything that everybody does, and then they check to see how guys do during the season. Does this guy's game elevate? Does it decrease? What did he eat? What's he doing? Like the whole nutrition world has been just expanded. And it's so awesome because it used to be like, bro, just eat whatever you want and go play football. But now it's like, well, you could eat really, really healthy and be super lean and not be as hurting as much on Monday and Tuesday because the inflammation in your body is not in there because you're not eating carbs or you're not pushing your red meat. Like, dude, it has gone a complete 180 from when I got in the league. But it was the one thing I do know is that when you play in August, you better eat a lot because, my God, I remember even here in Minnesota. Yeah, how many calories like, are we talking dude, about? Like five, tons. six thousand? Oh, my God. Like down in Mankato, when it would get hot, it was hot. And like even up here, like with all the lakes, it gets humid. So you're like, dude, I am sweating all over. Like we used to eat pizzas after pizzas just to keep up the weight. As I remember when That's I why got. I do it. Dude, it's it's easy to do that, but By then like, you feel terrible. Since we're on pizza, Catholic Football Panda wants to know ask Boone his favorite pizza place, local and national. He could destroy some za, I bet. Yeah, how dude. many slices do you put down, and what is your favorite pizza place? A ton, dude. You know what I'm a big fan of is Mama's. It's over on uh, in St. Paul. Never had it. You've never been to Mama's no, Pizza? No, I have not. Dude, Uncle Tony's going to call you right now. And I'm You're always a on a trouble. search for good pizza. Dude, go to Mama's, dude. I'm a big fan of theirs. When I'm on the east side, I'll go there. If you were an MLB player, what would your walk-up music to the plate be? Kid Rock, American Badass, for sure, bro. Smoking a smoking a heater. What's the Just, biggest steak you've ever eaten in one sitting? True story. In San Francisco, they used to get me a three-pound oh. uh, bone-in. It was like a Wagyu tomahawk, oh. and I ate it four times a week. What? Was, How dude, are you alive? Bro. Wow. And they cook it for two minutes on each side. That mm. was a, it. Oh, was purple man. and raw in the middle. It was amazing. Alex Boone living the life I want to live. That's Alex Boone, the former Vikings offensive lineman. I'm Rami Makloff. Collar off again tomorrow. I'm not sure who's filling in for him. Myron. I'm, I'll be back on Score North Live. I'm coming. Oh, Myron Metcalf will be here tomorrow. I'll be back uh, right after a short break for Mackie and Judd with Rami. Boone, always a good time, man. Thank you. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.